Welcome to Workforce Insight, the podcast for business leaders looking for fresh insights and solutions to today's most pressing workforce challenges. I'm your host, Bhushan Sethi, Joint Global People and Organization Leader at PwC. In each episode, you'll receive new ideas from experienced practitioners who are helping organizations drive workforce transformation. Now, if there's one lesson companies have learned from 2020, it's this. It's essential to have an agile and flexible workforce that can rapidly respond to changing circumstances. However, many organizations lack the data and the capability to rapidly respond to external change. In our experience, organizations that have built a capability around integrating strategic and workforce planning are better positioned for the future. Today, I'm delighted to be joined by two colleagues who are really going to help us unpack this aspect of building an integrated workforce strategy. Joining me today is Ingrid Carlson, a Director in Strategy and Leadership for PwC, and Alex Spiragutner, a Director in PwC's Workforce Strategy Practice. Welcome, Ingrid and Alex. Thanks so much for the invitation, Bushan. Thanks, Bushan, for having me. Wonderful. So first things first, really difficult question. What would you describe as your perfect weekend? Oh, that's a good one. As you know, Bushan, I recently or not so recently relocated from the East Coast to Los Angeles. So my perfect weekend starts with some hiking or outdoor activity, dinner with friends, and then spending time relaxing inside watching TV or a good movie. Nice. And Ingrid? I'm a polo player. And so any day that I can go out onto the field and play a match or two with friends and then go see a high amateur or polo professional polo game is a great weekend for me. Wonderful. The great outdoors. As we reopen the economy and start to enjoy our summers, both of those will be top in mind, I'm sure, for many of our listeners. So as we think about the external trends that are impacting the world today, whether they be geopolitical, fiscal, technology changes, and we think about everything that's impacting the world of work. Ingrid, how should we be processing all of that information, all of that data, as we start planning out what it means to business and what does it mean to a workforce strategy? Several years ago, our team was sitting around and came up with a very simple question, which is, what are people actually worried about? We took this simple question and we decided to talk to people wherever we went. We came back together with all of these stories. And what we found is that we had remarkably similar answers. So we decided to see if the data backed up what we were hearing. And from this came five forces that we call the ADAPT framework. Five forces that are impacting everything we do and all of the decisions that we make today, including business decisions. And from those, there are four types of client challenges. So let me run through the five forces very quickly first, and then I'll get into the client challenges. The first one is asymmetry. We are seeing an enormous amount of wealth and income inequality. We're seeing the erosion of the middle class. The second is disruption that is coming from technology and climate. We know that technologies are evolving faster than ever before. They're disrupting business models and forcing companies to digitally transform and execute faster than ever before. We certainly know that climate is displacing people, changing resource availability, and changing energy needs. The third one is age. Countries are getting older, and there are some countries that are getting younger, and they're going to have different needs in terms of job creation, the implications on tax system, consumption patterns, and social safety nets. The fourth is polarization. 
There's a breakdown in global consensus and a fracturing world. There's growing nationalism and populism. And as economic growth is becoming decoupled from social progress, we're having increasingly greater divisions within society and increasing cross-border tension. And finally, the fifth is trust. There is a declining confidence in institutions that underpin our society. And how companies meet those needs and address that trust issue is going to be fundamental to how they do their work. So from there, there's four specific client challenges. The first one is the implications coming from the breakdown in global consensus and what that means for businesses. Companies are going to need to find a way to operate across increasingly divergent regimes, whether those are tax systems, regulatory systems, banking systems, and how do you manage and operate with disparate government expectations? The second large client issue that they're going to have to deal with is how do you move from a narrow view of climate issues? So how do I manage net zero, for instance, to developing a comprehensive holistic strategy that encompasses the breadth of climate issues? Do I have the skills in my organization to address these climate-related issues? The third one is social issues. As we've heard in the news, social issues which are being driven by technology and globalization are becoming a mandatory consideration for businesses. So in this uncertain world, Alex, how do organizations make sense of all of those external factors that Ingrid was describing? Yeah, it's, it's a great question. I, I think Ingrid really hit on all those macro trends that organizations are thinking about. If I think about how they internalize those into a workforce strategy, two major topics come to mind. And you alluded to one of them, Bushan, in the intro, which is sort of doubling down on flexibility and adaptability within the workforce. And flexibility might mean looking at alternative talent pools or increasing the mix of contingent workers to be able to deploy them on project-based work or things like that or short-term projects. And adaptability might mean building flexible digital skills so that their talent that they have internally is more fungible and they can be moved around the organization with internal mobility as their role or demands change within the organization. So that's number one. And then I think number two is just the recognition that because of some of these trends around getting back to work and disruption, talent's going to be on the move as we get back when organizations start to ramp up hiring. So organizations need to not only have a good workforce plan to be able to bring on new talent and build capabilities, but I think they're going to need to be able to prepare to backfill and respond quickly if they have people leaving the organization for other opportunities. So the bridge between what Ingrid described, which is a external environment that firms need to dynamically respond to, Alex, you appropriately described what it means to skill sets and flexibility and the need for kind of agility amongst talent. But the bridge between both of those is how companies plan, how they put the business plans together, the financial plans and the workforce plans. Alex, do you want to talk a little bit more about how companies are doing this, what you've seen during the pandemic and kind of any insights for our listeners? Sure. I think first and foremost, the companies that do this well really take an integrated view of that planning process. So historically, business planning was done within the business. HR, people planning was done within HR, but never the two shall meet. And I think what organizations are realizing is that it's really critically important to have all of the right players at the table in those early conversations around business planning so that the HR team or the finance team or the operations teams can weigh in on what that business strategy and plan means for skills and capabilities and resources within the organization. So I think an integrated process where all the right players are at the table early and often is important. And then revisiting that plan multiple points throughout the year. I think if the last 18 months has told us anything is that 
planning more than two or three months in advance is somewhat of a futile effort. And so it's important to set that direction early on in the year, but then revisit it quarterly or at least twice a year to make sure that as circumstances change, the business and the talent planning around that changes as well. And Ingrid, as someone who's leading, kind of providing this input and helping PwC define its strategy, as you said, using some of these kind of external factors, how would you reflect on the integrated nature of business strategy and workforce planning? The way we look at organization is as a system. Think of it with three elements, like a triangle. So at the top, you have strategy, then you have structure, then you have culture. And I don't mean to imply that there is a hierarchy there. And those are the three elements. And then in between those elements, you have the connective tissue that makes everything work together. So between strategy and structure, you have capabilities. Those are the firm differentiators. Between structure and culture, you have the individual skills and capacities of your employees. And then between culture and strategy, you have the values. Those are the things that help you determine what the right course of action is when you don't have a clear path ahead. And in the middle of everything, is people. And so one of the things that gets really hard to do when things are as dynamic as they are in the world is to be able to take that step back and look at how is every decision that we're making going to affect each of those three elements. Thank you. And what I'm also hearing, Ingrid, is that we also take a multi-stakeholder view of this. We think about our clients when we set our strategy. We think about our people. We think about regulators in the same way that many organizations now are focused on stakeholder capitalism and are seeing there's a need to kind of manage those constituents and also define value for those in different perspectives too. So Alex, the pandemic was one of those external factors that we didn't predict. But as Ingrid was describing, Firms that were well prepared and had built capabilities of how to rapidly respond to turbulent change were well positioned. How have you seen this topic of workforce strategy evolve during the pandemic? Yeah, it's a really interesting question, Bushan. And I, if I think about what's different now than maybe 18 months ago, I think two things really jump out. One is it's clear from all of the data and what we're seeing in the market that hybrid work is here to stay. And there's this renewed expectation around flexibility and being able to work remotely at least part of the time amongst the workforce. We do a workforce pulse survey and have been over the last 18 months asking employers and employees how their sentiments might be changing as we've gone through the pandemic. And recently, what we found is almost half of employers surveyed reported that they're going to plan to give some additional options around remote work. And nearly a quarter of employees are planning to move more than 50 miles away from their core office. And I think that just underscores the point that as organizations are developing their workforce strategy and planning for the future, flexibility and remote work needs to be a part of that in order to remain competitive in the market. That's sort of number one. I think number two is just a little bit of a change in sentiment in what employees and candidates are looking for as they evaluate what companies they want to work for. We've seen over the last 18 months and even before then, just an increased importance and prioritization of purpose and values and trust within the organizations that candidates want to work for. And one statistic really jumps out. We did a future of recruiting survey early in 2020 with 10,000 US job seekers. And almost three quarters said they want to understand the organizational culture before accepting an offer. But the one that really jumped out was that 71% said that reputation is more important than brand when they're choosing an employer. And so as organizations think about workforce strategy and their go-to-market strategy for talent, it's not enough to just have a good plan in place to know what talent you need. 
they need to have a thoughtful plan in place around how do we market, attract, and actually make ourselves an employer of choice for that talent. I think taking a stand back look to the question of what's really changed in the last 18 months at the risk of stating the obvious, employees have had a lot to handle over the last 18 months. And certainly we have COVID and all of the things that came with it, the job insecurity, the changing schedules, managing kids at home while you're working and all of that. But there's also a broader societal lens that should be considered here. We in the U.S. had the murder of George Floyd, which put a spotlight on systemic racism in the U.S. And there's been police brutality issues that have cropped up around the world and other countries. We've had the rise of hate crimes against Asian communities globally. We've seen violence crop up that's been propagated by populist rhetoric. We are seeing voting rights issues coming up. We've also seen the very real human side of social inequity in a way that maybe many of us had never seen. We saw local businesses that were shuttering or struggling in a scale that many of us had never seen before. We are seeing neighbors and friends and colleagues out of work. We are seeing people who are struggling to make ends meet and just keeping their heads above water now really, really struggling when social provisions are no longer available. And we're seeing social inequity in which communities were hardest hit by COVID. So a lot of the assumptions that I think we had around how things are or have to be in our society and how we work are being challenged. There's been a shift in people's expectations of what can and can't be done by their employers and an accounting for the reason why. And so there's a greater imperative for employers to consider these external forces and these expectations from the perspective of their employees, as well as those other stakeholders that you were mentioning, Bashan, if they want to be and remain the employer of choice. So thank you for that. So you've both given examples of why having a dynamic plan, a business plan, a financial plan, a workforce plan is so important right now. So Alex, how do firms do this today? What are some of the lessons learned? What are some of the good practices out there? What are some of the pitfalls? There's three things that jump out. One is they take a siloed view of the process. And I alluded to this earlier, but the organizations tend to think of this either as a business or an HR or a finance exercise. Instead of viewing this as an integrated, coordinated process where everyone needs to have a role and function to play, and they're breaking down those silos between those functions. The second would be rigidity and how they think about workforce strategy today. And we've seen a lot of this coming out of the pandemic as organizations maybe rethink their philosophy around remote work or things like that. But an unwillingness to think outside the box to get the talent that they need in the door, being stuck in ways around ways of working or location strategy or how they think about the skills and the jobs that they need for the future, it really prevents organizations from being creative and having that forward-looking mindset that they need to be successful. And then the third thing, which I think is maybe the most critical, is lack of leadership buy-in. So the organizations that really struggle with this, they more pay at lip service and they, you don't see that prioritization from the top levels of leadership and that sponsorship that's needed to make all of this work well. And I think if you take the flip side, the organizations that do do this really well, they do the opposite of all those things. They take an integrated view. They're willing to be creative and flexible in how they think about solutions. And they make sure that they have buy-in from the very top levels of leadership that this is an important process. Ingrid, I'm curious what you're seeing as well in terms of some of the challenges. 
the first pitfall that I'd mentioned is not putting people at the heart of the organizational system and planning. And it can be so easy when things are moving as quickly as they are and as dynamic and decisions have to be made to forget that people are at the heart of that triangle that I mentioned earlier. And it's not just your employees, it's the other stakeholders, the broader society, it's the leaders that you have leading. So keeping people at the center and understanding the impacts that it's going to have on all of those stakeholders is going to be important. The next thing that I'd mention is focusing on financial metrics alone is no longer enough. I want to be clear, it is the role of business to deliver to shareholders, but those can't be the only measure used anymore. So it's imperative to say, how do we deliver for shareholders in a way that also delivers for our people and makes our communities stronger? Because that benefits us by creating a stronger, healthier economy. What I'm hearing is that firms need to have a deliberate plan. So whilst it is complex, there is no excuse for not being able to Response to what is a change in the tax rules? How do we prepare ourselves and our defenses for the next cyber attack? Wherever we see it, it's complex. But Alex, to your point, it needs to be much more interconnected because the world is not going to suddenly get simpler. As Ingrid described, there's going to be the fractured aspects. So Alex, our clients are accelerating their digital strategies. They're moving work to the cloud. They're looking at automation. Since the beginning of discussions on the future of work, people have been fearful on the role of technology and its impact on jobs. How are we seeing that technology impact with our clients? Yeah, I think organizations are are really starting to think very critically about how they're going to enable workforce strategy with tools and technology. And I think it comes through in a couple of ways, especially more recently. One is leveraging technology to enable more remote work and virtual connectivity to enable this sort of hybrid work from anywhere model. That impacts changes to location strategy. It impacts the way that teams collaborate in a virtual or hybrid setting. It's really critical, I think, in the last 18 months has underscored that. The second would be emerging tools around data visualization and platforms that can give you that integrated view of HR, finance, and operational data that's really critical to understanding not only the current makeup of the workforce, but also those drivers that might impact what you need in the future. And then the third would be sort of these workforce planning, scenario planning tools. So organizations having the ability to stress test and model different scenarios, whether that be changes in regulation or a global pandemic or any of these levers that will impact workforce supply and demand, organizations need to be modeling those types of scenarios on a one to two to five year horizon so that they can create scenarios that will match any conceivable barriers or environmental considerations. And having these tools and having the visualization in place maybe alleviates some of the fear and the nebulous nature of the topic of how do I think about responding to external trends or thinking about scenarios in the future. So we've talked a little bit about the external factors. We've talked about how you need to address this for all the stakeholders in your ecosystem. We've talked about how you think about some of those factors as they impact an organization. So how do we get started? Alex, what's our advice to organizations as they think about developing their own integrated strategic workforce planning capability? 
Yeah. So I, I think a couple of things and I think the technology and the data is an enabler, but even technology and data won't get you there if you don't have the right process and the operating model around workforce strategy and workforce planning as a capability. So I think the firms that do this well and sort of the no regrets moves are one, getting buy-in from the leadership at the top that this is an organizational priority, creating that consistent view of the process and the operating model and the roles and responsibilities amongst all the key players so that it's being done consistently across the organization. And then also investing in skills and capabilities internally. So being able to build that data analysis, that digital acumen amongst the HR professionals and the operations teams and the business professionals to make meaningful use of that data. And then finally, I would say start small. I think the organizations that struggle with this try to bite off the whole apple at once. And I think it's better to use a pilot, start with a particular business group, make sure that the process and the tools and the ways of working are refined and working as they should, and then expand and scale it to the organization. And Ingrid, your insights on how organizations can bring more of that external environmental factors and that more dynamic nature of these external trends into their strategy formulation and that sort of translates to workforce plans. Any insights there? Sure. There's three things that I'd suggest. The first is make decisions systematically. You want to take a look at the workforce issues, go deep, take a look at them. How are you going to address them? But then take a step back and look at it holistically against the context of your whole organization, the people in it, and how it impacts the community that you're in. Number two is understand what's important to your people. Ask them and then ask yourself, how are you building trust within your employee cadre as well as within the broader community? And the third is anything that you do, whether it's upskilling or any other element of your workforce strategy, do it in a way that creates value for your organization, creates value for your employees, but also in a way that creates good for the local community that supports that social progress. So on that community point, Ingrid, you've done a lot of work around the policy angle and how business and policymakers need to work together on aspects of work and workforce. What's our recommendation to clients there? I think there is two things that companies need to understand in terms of the levers that they have to use. One are the direct levers. What are the things that you can do that make a direct impact on the employees or on the community? And then the second one is, what are the things that you can support from a policy perspective that are going to make a difference at a broader scale? So the regional or national level. We've covered a lot in terms of understanding the external environment, really understanding kind of how it impacts business and finance and workforce and real estate. And you gave some good examples of how companies get started. So one key takeaway for the business leaders that are listening to this today as we look to wrap up. I think for me, it's this concept of it's there's never too small or it's never too early to start. I think organizations view this idea of workforce planning and workforce strategy, and it's a massive, complex undertaking, and it sort of paralyzes organizations from even starting the process. And so I would say just start. So for me, it would mean understanding the leverage and social capital that businesses have. When you look at the 2021 Edelman Trust Barometer, businesses were the most trusted institution and seen as both ethical and competent. That means that companies have not only a responsibility, but a leverage in order to make significant change in the community while at the same time they are creating and preserving value for their shareholders. 
So maybe to pile on to Alex's point of just starting and your point around social good is mine would also be connect the dots. So many times we see firms not connecting dots with a change in regulation and how it impacts business models and workforce models and practices. Thank you so much, Alex and Ingrid, for taking time out to speak with us today. It's been a great discussion and incredibly insightful and demystifying how we do deal with the turbulence out there, the external changes that we anticipate and how they do relate to business and workforce strategy. And thank you listeners for tuning into this episode of Workforce Insight. Please visit our website for more insights on how to tackle your organization's workforce challenges and please subscribe to this podcast. This podcast is brought to you by PwC, all rights reserved. PwC refers to the U.S. member firm or one of its subsidiaries or affiliates and may sometimes refer to the PwC network. Each member firm is a separate legal entity. Please see www.pwc.com structure for further details. This podcast is for general information purposes only and should not be used as a substitute for consultation with professional advisors.